Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi everybody, it's Marsha. Um, we have a great show today, but there is just one thing I'd like to just say uh, at the beginning of the show. This has been a bad week for Highland Park, and um, if those of you that know, I live in Chicago, and uh, Highland Park is very close here, and I know that people didn't know about Highland Park before, and I know Kamala Harris mentioned Chicagoland area Highland Park, and that is how I refer to it. I always say I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, so I live in the suburbs, but most of us that grew up in Chicago consider it just we live in the suburbs of Chicago, but we're really Chicago, and it was a very sad day, and I'm only hoping that this will be the last because we have had so many over the years. And I want to extend my condolences to all of the people that have lost people. And um, it's very tragic. There were kids that, you know, lost their parents. And um, a lot of, there are seven deaths. And a lot of people were hurt. They had, their legs were shot. And some of the, um, some of them were in the hospital and they really weren't reported, but there was a lot. And it was a really beautiful day and people were just out for a parade. So I am hoping that, you know, the bullets have grazed people even if they weren't close by. And so there was a doctor on discussing it and the doctor said it was like a war zone. And so I am so sorry that this happened and um, I'm hoping. So, but we're going to have a good show today, but I just wanted to extend my condolences. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, Trish, you're on the show again. Yeah. Hello. And we have Hello. Lauren Rhodes. Hi. And um, I'll let you introduce Lauren because, uh, as everybody knows, I talk about this all the time, that I have the greatest horror shows authors because of Trish Wilson, also Elizabeth Black. So when I call yeah. her Elizabeth, <laughs> nobody will get mad at me because I have done this with her for all these years, 10, 12 years. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm working on this as Trish, but um, so why don't you introduce Lauren because uh, this is going to be a really oh, great sure. show. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Well, yeah, this is going to be a great one. Really yeah, they're right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, let me introduce myself first. I'm Trish Wilson. Okay. My uh, my fiction has appeared in It Calls from the Veil, The Black Stone, Stories of Lovecraftian Summonings, Dancing in the Shadows, a tribute to Anne Rice, The Horizons Book of Ghost Stories, The Horizons Book of Werewolf Stories, and I have an, a story coming out in an upcoming anthology, which is also based on stories uh, uh, based on Lovecraft, and specifically Yogg-Sothoth. 
And uh, the interesting thing about that one and the Black Stone is that those two particular books come with, um, is accompanied by music. As uh, the guy that puts it together does, um, he's a musician, and he uh, put, puts together that sort of thing. And um, I'm also the, uh, I'm the media director for the horror scene. So, and of course, I do podcasts. So let yes, me you do. Lauren. <laughs> Yeah, I do lots of podcasts. <laughs> uh, Lauren Rose is a San Francisco-based author, editor, and lecturer on cemetery history. She is a member of Horror Writers Association, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, and the Association for Gravestone Studies. She's the author of Wish You Were Here, Adventures in Cemetery Travels, as well as uh, many other books like The Morbid Life, uh, 199, 199 Cemeteries, To See Before You Die, and her latest project is Death's Garden Revisited, for which she collects essays about people's relationships with cemeteries. And uh, that's the topic for today. And I'd like to ask Lauren, how did you become interested in cemeteries, and how did it grow into what you do now? Oh, it's totally by accident. <laughs> um, my husband <laughs> Some and I accident, were, right? <laughs> yeah, we were traveling to London during the first Gulf War, and uh, well. Let me back up. We were traveling to Europe during the first Gulf War. We ended up in London, which hadn't originally been on our itinerary. And while we were there, I discovered the Victorian cemeteries that ring the city. There are seven of them. But there was a book called Victorian Valhalla about Highgate. And my husband decided he would rather see that than the Tower of London. So we spent the last day of our trip poking around this glorious old cemetery where there were pretty much angels everywhere you turned on graves. And uh, and I got to thinking, geez, I, I wonder if there's any place like this. We were going to Paris next. And we had already had a friend tell us, you should go to Père Lachaise and check it out. Père Lachaise is the, the big uh, post-Napoleonic cemetery outside of Paris. That's I mean, the one where the world is buried, right? Yes, yes, Jim Morrison and Gertrude Stein, all kinds of famous people are buried there. And, uh, you know, first seeing Highgate and then seeing Palachev, I was hooked. So, you know, it started that we would go someplace and I would think, I wonder if there's a cemetery here. And it's kind of gotten to the point now where I find a cemetery I want to see and then we build a trip around it. Wow. Well, that, that's different. I'll tell you, that puts you in a whole different category. And it's very good. It makes you unique, which in the writing field is hard to be. Mm-hmm. But that seems very specific. And I think if people want to focus, that's a good focus. You're focusing on it. And so in your mind already, you already know what you're interested in. Well, I think which, when you travel, it's it's good to have one thing you're exploring. My husband likes to find the cheapest coffee shop in whatever city we go to. But, you know, to have that one focus, and it, when you're a writer, to, to apply that focus to your work, and yeah. it, it, you know, then you can write your trips off on taxes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, think, I think if you travel, you know, I don't travel much, but I do think that uh, travel, because when people have been on the show, when they travel, you think differently as a writer because you get a lot of different ideas that you would not have necessarily just staying in your own backyard. So well, I think that's very interesting. For the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, all right, Elizabeth, did you have anything else you wanted to say right now? Or? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I was reading an interview, and you mentioned that uh, Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, was probably mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful ones you've ever seen. Um, I live near Cambridge, and now I'm really curious, and I want to see this. So what makes it so special? <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what makes it? What, what makes the cemetery so special? Special? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first cemetery in the U.S. that was set up to be uh, an arboretum so that the plantings were as important as the people buried there. And they had an arborist on staff and a greenhouse on staff where people could buy plants and bushes and trees to to decorate their family graves. Uh, Mount Auburn was one of the first places that would sell you a family plot. Before that, you know, people were buried in, they were either buried on their own property or they were buried in town in the churchyard and you got buried where there was space for you. You, you know, your wife might be in one corner and you were in another corner and your kids were someplace else, you, you know, depending on what order everybody died in. But at Mount Auburn, you could buy a family plot, which, you know, these days that doesn't seem so strange, but it was really revolutionary at the time. But it's, that's glorious. If you get a chance to go, you really should. Yeah, I definitely want to see this. No, I, I didn't know about it. I mean, I and I, I mean, I live in Rockport, Massachusetts. It's right on the water, and we have a lot of burying grounds. You know, and I'm, I'm, you know, we're right at sea level, but you know, they're still able to build up on hills and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, um, I'm, you know, this is. I mean, I, I'm originally from Maryland, so when I came up here and I saw the really old cemeteries, and that I mean, they call the burying burying grounds. And it was just the most fascinating thing that just looking at the tombstones dating back to 1600 and all the different symbols that are on them and you know that sort of thing is just fascinating. You see a lot of skulls and crossbones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in some of the cemeteries, you know, uh, the ones that are in the states, some of them are are not taken care of very well a lot of times, and even. Like in Chicago, sometimes people don't even want to go to some of the cemeteries because some of the stones fall over. They're not, mm-hmm. you know. It, yeah, oh, yeah. And a lot of New York, too. You know, a lot of places, you know, because they were so old, the cemeteries, but they're, you know, the staying power possibly of the stones because people have, there have been very severe accidents in, like, some of the places in Chicago with cemeteries that we're not taken care of, you know, which you think that they would be taken care of because people do pay money, you know, for their relatives for years. But then I guess, I guess if somebody's gone, like who take, who manages these cemeteries in Europe? You, well, it's a fairly new thing to charge money to keep up the gravestones. That's, that didn't happen when the, the cemeteries were first founded. You bought right. your grave plot and you put your stone on it and, you know, as long as the family was around, they took care of it. But once the family was gone, See, that's the problem, reason. right? That's yeah. a problem a lot of people yeah. do face. You know, with that, you know, because then if they're like the last of the family, what happens? And I think mm-hmm. in some of the areas they don't take care of it. So I think I didn't. So I, yeah, since we're talking about cemeteries, I didn't really know that that they didn't use to charge. Yeah, yeah, that's fairly new. That perpetual care is what they call it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, but, now when you buy a grave plot, you pay into a fund and the cemetery has money for upkeep going forward. Yeah. 
But some of these old cemeteries where they don't bury people anymore, right? They don't yeah. have money coming in. So, mm-hmm. so I guess like each individual family would take care of their own plot, pretty much. Is that how it yeah, would work? Yeah, that, that's the way it used to work. You know, people moved around a lot less back then than they do now. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. And they don't tra- I mean, traveling now, you know, people just travel all over the place. And so, you know, uh, I think that, and it's easier to travel, you know, but not now. You know, a lot of times people aren't traveling. But I do think that when you're talking about cemeteries, I'm thinking, do you ever go at night to any of the cemeteries? Uh-huh. Yeah, so how does that, like I mean, because they always show it in movies, you know, everybody's like, you know, it's kind of scary. Do you feel anything when you go there? Are you superstitious or anything like that? Well, there's a cemetery across the bay from me over in Oakland that uh, I had a friend set up a small tour. I think there were seven of us on it. And we started at sunset and walked around. And it was it was truly creepy. Um, yeah. It's a big, yeah. beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah, during the day, <laughs> I, I it's full of yeah. sunshine and trees and all of that. But at night, um, there were definitely cold spots, you know, where, where you'd you walk over a grave and you'd feel something on the back of your neck. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know that it was scary, but I found it really interesting. Interesting, right? Because well, we used to have on the show here. I used to have a Willow Cross would do a lot. She was a ghost, you know. She knew a lot of the ghost hunters, so we'd have them on the shows and go places, you know, like a cemetery oh, or fun. you know at night. Yeah, and uh, and that was a big thing. I don't, you know, we haven't had any of those shows any, like I used to, but I really enjoyed those shows. Somebody would be there, and I'd be on the phone, and then they would talk about the, you know, how they felt being there, and then they would go in older places also. Because, you know, I think sometimes, you know, especially with writers that want to write horror, I think it would be kind of scary and you can get a a lot of stories just even standing there because, you know, feeling like something you might want to say in a book that, you you know, all of a sudden something like you're saying, you sometimes you feel like somebody might be there. (laughs) You said it was Mm -hmm. creepy. Did you ever get, do you get stories from that? Like Elizabeth, I know, Trisha, I know you'd want that. That's for you, for sure. You'd love that. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a famous cemetery probably in New Year's in Chicago. It's called Resurrection Cemetery. And I'm sure Lauren knows all about it. Yeah, um, I love this. There's a legend that goes with that. Is that on River Road or something? River Road or something? uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's located, but it's in Chicago. It's called Resurrection Cemetery. And uh, the whole the story is that this young woman was killed by a hit-and-run driver on her way home after an argument with her boyfriend. And her mm-hmm. ghost haunts the area around the cemetery wow. where she's buried. So according to legend, you know, we'll have men driving by, and they'll see this hitchhiker on the side of the road, and they'll pick her up. And then she asks to be, um, you know, let off in front of the cemetery. And that, you know, that's how they, found, they find her gravestone, and that's how they find out where she was buried. But wow. uh, anyway, that's a classic hitchhiker story. Wow, that's spooky. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying to look it up and see if I can find where that is. Resurrect? No, it's on Archer. Okay, I see where that is. That's in. Yeah, that's in. I heard of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That place has okay, a really see. interesting set of uh, windows in the mausoleum too. Huge stained glass windows, but with 
bomber planes and nuclear bombs and all kinds of crazy things. So, I mean, it's really? definitely going, oh. worth going mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. Wow. See, yeah, you know, because I, I think I just saw there was some stained glass they had somewhere, but then I just lost it right now <laughs> where it was. But it's on Archer Avenue, I think, in Chicago. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there, there are a lot. I know that in one of the cemeteries that uh, I have family at, um, just trying to think, there's, there are famous people that are at a lot of these cemeteries, and you sometimes when you come across it, you know, I'm just trying to think, Oh my God! I can't think of his name now. The writer. I will. It'll come to me. It's a children's writer, and he's very popular. And he's in the cemetery. So it's like it almost is. You think like, where do these people get buried? But they get buried like every. He writes all the poems. Yeah. Like the sidewalk. I'm trying to think of his name. It's oh my God. It just lost. I just lost it. But I think people don't ever think about those things because you, you know they're popular, and then all of a sudden it'll well now because we have the internet, you'll look up something and you go, "Oh, that person's at this place, or it does come up their burial a lot of times, and from you know that's really what happens you know when they're buried somewhere, all of a sudden you're looking up a person and then you say, "Oh, this person's buried there," and you go like, "Oh, you just feel something different when you know somebody famous is like at a cemetery." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a normal reaction. I don't know. I'm a superstitious person, so I shouldn't talk for everybody. But I'm already, you know, because p- some people are superstitious, you know. And uh, I, I know that my grandmother, when we were, when I was first married, we were living in an apartment, and it was across of a cemetery in, like, Kitty Corner. And so my grandmother, the first word out of her mouth was, oh, my God, it's like there's a cemetery there. And I'm very superstitious, so that's all she had to tell me. So now in my mind the whole time I was thinking about that. You know, when you put something in a superstitious person's head, it's there. It's not going anywhere. You know, there's a lot of people that are very superstitious. I'm one of them. Are you superstitious, Lauren? No, not at all. Oh, that's that's why I do this. See, that's why you can for do this, her, right? all the time I've spent in cemeteries, you know, nothing, nothing bad has ever happened, and and I've done some really yeah. stupid things. Right. So right. I, I feel, you know, if, if anything, I have a guardian angel looking out for me. I find myself in these little California cemeteries in the middle of nowhere, and you know, <laughs> one of them I was in, and the birds suddenly got really quiet, and I thought, well, I'm Running distance to the car, there were trees on two sides of the cemetery, and the other side was, um, there was a church and then a huge field. But I thought, you know, if there were going to be a mountain lion, this is probably a really good place to hunt where you're sheltered on two sides. Oh, my God. I couldn't see anything creeping up on me. So it was kind of edging toward the car, and then a hawk flew overhead, and the birds had been quiet because there was a hawk, not because there was a mountain. And then you have a whole story there. You got, I got a whole story yeah. from that. It's just, but if you're not you know, I find myself you don't in these it. places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, don't always but, think to tell somebody where I'm going. So. Yeah, right, <laughs> but you know, right, because right. right, right, but you know, just because you see, but you have, you feel like you have an angel. Yeah, with you. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I believe in. I, I do. Well, as long as we're talking about, it, yes, I do believe in angels. I have actually in one of my books. I do have an angel dog that came down and does talk because I actually do believe in angels, and I actually do believe that you know I'm going to see my family someday. I'm, and so I, you know, everybody has their own beliefs. 
course, very few people I know have the same <laughs> beliefs as I do, but I do. You know, I maybe it's because I want to see the same people, you know, people that have, you know, died. Maybe I'm just so wanting to talk to them and see them that I believe that I will. You know, I, know, I think whatever gives you comfort is good. Well, that's how I look <laughs> at it. That's exactly how I look at it for me. You know, and so I feel for me I can get through things because I feel like I'm going to see them. But for other people, you know, um, they may not feel that way, you know. But um, my mother was one of them. She didn't feel like that was true, but she had had a stroke. And then I think and she came back from the stroke, but after she had her stroke, she considered it, she, had, she thought, it was, she felt like she had died and seen my grandmother. So it's kind of, and she hmm. never believed in any of that because hmm. every time I would say stuff, she'd go, oh, it does Please, you know, I'm going to die, and I'll be in the cemetery, and that's that. And I went, I don't think so. But then after that happened, you know, she kind of changed her mind a little because she felt like she did die and she was back. So, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of stories, you know, kind of stick in my head. For writers, you know, we do that. So um, I know you write other things, too. You write short stories, right, too? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Do you like writing short stories, or would, or would you rather write longer yeah. work? That's, I I would love to be a fiction writer, like, like full time, but the nonfiction is what has the readership and what sells, so it kind of funds the rest of my work. But uh, I just published a, a series of four short collections on Amazon of short stories. And I'm forcing myself to write more short stories now. I feel like I, yeah, I've i been doing the nonfiction the for so long. Well, Liz, what, what, oh, what Trish for? does it. Yeah. You write, Trish writes a lot of short stories. Oh, yeah. I, I write short stories. I haven't yeah. published a novel yet, but I, I do write a lot of short stories. Oh, I hope you will. Yes. No, Oh, I have yeah, a well, I think a lot of people, you know, because people should actually, you know, if they're thinking of writing and sometimes for them maybe a shorter story might get them, you know, going, you know, to mm-hmm. be writing, you know, and whatever gets a person to the place they need to be, you know. But I do agree with one thing because the truth is nonfiction does sell better. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Fiction yeah. is very hard to, you know, with, even with all the authors on that I've had, you know, it's still, I, I agree with the fact that nonfiction, but not everybody can write that or wants to. But th- that <laughs> is a better market if you're actually going to be successful financially because fiction does not pay as well, I think, or make as much money. And the libraries like nonfiction, too. That's true, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you go to bookstores and do signings now or... I've been in the before certain... times. Yeah, not not so much recently. Yes, um, yeah. That's what happens a lot just, of times. You know, I spent last weekend at one of the local science fiction fantasy conventions, and uh, it was my first time at a dealer's table in geez, a really long time. So it was really interesting to to sell books to people and to talk to people about books. I've missed it. I know. See, and I think, you know, people really like to talk to authors, you know, and it's really kind of sad because, you know, during COVID, nobody did. And, you know, and Trish, you go to a lot of these conferences, but you're going to one mm-hmm. soon, right? You're going well, I'm going to one in two weeks. 
for the the first time I've been to a live one in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I miss I miss the camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, hanging out, talking to writers, and yeah. all of that. Right. That's why I actually. That's why I like to you know have shows because you know and during COVID there was no doubt everybody was doing show you know there there isn't a guest around that wouldn't come on because they were at work or doing something else because nobody was doing anything. Yeah. So I think that was one of the things that you know we got had a lot of different people on talking about different things you know. And but they all most of them missed going to coffee shops because you know a lot of us write in coffee shops even if we have a house or something you know or a business to go to, you just we something about coffee shops make people you know think better I think for me yeah you know? I spent yeah. a lot of time writing in coffee shops when See, my yeah. kid was going yeah. to school yeah yeah just to yeah. have See, that that noise and the people moving around. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, right. I like that too, you know. And um, I, for sometimes now I'm writing in quiet, which I never used to because I there was a lot of news on, and I I can't write with the news. I can't. That's one. I can write with like, you know. I used to work in a pediatric office. I was, you know, a lab tech, so I used to work in pediatric. I could write, or and I could talk through children you know, screaming and crying and everything, it didn't bother me. But the news, my brain was not letting me. So I had to go someplace else in the house to move on from, because my husband was watching the news a lot, and I couldn't write to that, especially during mm-hmm. COVID. But some people were writing a lot. A lot of guests on the show were really writing. They just kept writing, and a lot of people just, like I said before, couldn't do anything. And they were very depressed, mm-hmm. too. So that's another thing. So it's good that people now are going out to at least see other writers because only we understand each other. I think you might agree on that. Writers understand writers. Our regular friends don't understand what we do half the time. They don't know how mm-hmm. hard this is. You know, I, I think this is you have to be dedicated. And I was just talking to someone today. You know, you can't always do it for financial, you know, if you have another job. But if you love to write, you should write. And I think that's one of the things, if you really love writing, it keeps people in the game. But a lot of people just give up too fast. How do you feel about that? Do When people, you know, when you're out there, do they ask you questions about, you know, you've been writing for a long time, and do they ask you how you stayed in the market? I'm just too stubborn to quit. <laughs> you know, I've tried to stop writing <laughs> from time to time, but I, I can't. I just can't. So, I mean, right. it's how I process the world. It's how you roll. Right. I, yeah. I think, yeah. Because I, you know, over the years, you know, especially during, you know, meeting all the people that I do on Facebook, and there's a lot of people, and Trish, you might say this too, that are not writing anymore, unfortunately. They've just stopped yeah. writing. Yeah, there are a lot that stopped. Yeah, and it's kind of sad, you know, because they're good writers. But it does take, you know, it does take a lot. You know, you say you're too stubborn, right? And I refuse to ever give up on anything either, so I just keep going, <laughs> you know. But I just can't help it. I really can't either help it. I just, you know, I think people, you know, everybody would like some sort of success. But if you write a good book or a good story and people like it, that's really what authors love is to hear that people like what we have written, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So I think mm-hmm. everybody's waiting to be a millionaire, but you don't have to be a millionaire. You should just love what you write and start, you know, if you stop writing and you're if you really don't enjoy it, I guess then don't do it. Because you know, if you're waiting for to make a million dollars, this is not happening mm-hmm. to most people. You know. And I think you should enjoy it. So like you're saying, you're stubborn, but you love it. That's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you can't. And uh, Trish, you too. No, oh, yeah, you've been I doing this. Stop. Yeah, right. I've been right. doing this for a long time. Yeah. Well, I had a couple yeah. of questions for Lauren. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, two two of your books. Well, one of them is coming up: uh, Death's Garden, Relationships with Cemeteries, and uh, Death's Garden Revisited. Um, mm-hmm. How how did you select the various essays? And I mean, how, how do you know which? Because this, this is all editing now. Um, how do yeah. you know which ones go in what order? How do you pick them? Um, how did how did the first book do? Well, the first book was a really small print run. We only did a thousand of them, and it sold out in the first eighteen months. And it was one of those things where it was the second book I'd ever published, uh, edited and published, put together all of that. Um, and I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. So originally, uh, I had a friend who was dying of AIDS who gave me a shoebox full of photographs that were cemeteries he'd visited on his travels. And mm-hmm. at that point, I had no idea people could do that, you know, that you could just go to Mexico and go to a cemetery and take photographs. So in, in his honor, I wanted to um, put together a book of his photographs and I would write all the text for it. And, you know, it would be a small book, easy to put together. And as I talked to people about the project, everyone I spoke to had a story about a cemetery that they had visited, you know, whether it was family buried there or someplace they'd gone on vacation or, you know, something they stumbled across. So uh, I started collecting all those stories up and, it turned into a really interesting book uh, and people I never expected to contribute. Um, I don't know if you know who Lydia Lunch is, but she was a post-punk singer in New York in the 80s um, and then kind of morphed out of that into spoken word. And we had friends in common. turns out Lydia took these really glorious cemetery photos. So I, she was the big name author in my book, in the first book, which was published in 96, so 95. Um, 95. You know, 95. Long time ago. And so ever since I did that first book, I've kind of always wanted to do an expanded version, you know, more voices and more cemeteries and more places around the world. And... Um, I started leaning into that uh, with my cemetery travel blog where I was inviting people to come and write pieces for me and and tell me about their local cemeteries. Some of those pieces that were on my blog are going to be in this new book, but some of those, about half of the essays, I think, were commissioned newly for this new one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm super excited for people to see it because it's just, it's everything I wanted the first book to be, but I didn't have the skills to do 
That's a very good thing to talk about for a minute. Though, and people that are listening to the show, a lot of people, you know, they don't when they just want to give up. I mean, right? You didn't have the skills, right? So I think a lot of us would say at the beginning, when some of our work wasn't what we what we thought at the time, it was okay. But then when you look at it, you go like, oh, I could have done better. But the thing is, you did it. And so as you keep writing, I think you do get better. Hopefully, you know, and more yeah. confident. You know, Most people do. Yeah, and you I think that's what happens it. to people. They stop writing because they just go like, "Oh, I, I can't do this." But you can do this. You just have to realize it's a skill, and you have to keep doing it to get better. You know, well, people don't sit down and expect to play the piano the first time they play it. But people sit down to write a story, and they expect to be able to do it the first time they sit down. And you know, it's it's practice. Right. The more you well, practice, the better you get. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a good way to look at it. You know, I'll keep that in my mind to tell people because that's true. Because you do, you do look at your stories or things that you've written, and you know you can do better now. But you might not have known that. But you got to keep going because otherwise it's right. You well, know, you know, if not you were happen. a crafter and you were making scarves, you know, the first scarf you make is going to have drop stitches and things like that. You know right away you could do it better. So you make another yeah. scarf, and the next scarf is better, and, you know, the fringe is still a little wonky, so you have to fix that third scarf. And, you know, writing's the same kind of way. It's a craft. You do yes. have to work at it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, Trish, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody ever writes something where they're 100% happy with it. Right. Oh, I you can always see a way to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I can attest to that. I can definitely say that. Revising and revising and revising. Yeah. 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 No, at a certain yeah. point you have to call it done and move on. Mm-hmm. But that is great that yeah, is good advice. You know, and I do tell polished. people See, I do tell people that, but I don't follow it myself. Yeah. This is what you know, I wish you know, I I remember I was doing a book signing, you know, I am an author also, and, you know, and I remember somebody was stuck, they stood up and they said, well, what do you do? I said, just keep going on. And I'll never forget the guy, too, because he, I said, just, you, if you have a bad part, that you're at a part, and you go like, I don't think I know the answer to this, just move, keep going, and then you can go back, yeah. and then you fill it in, but yeah. don't stop. You know, that's what happens to people. Sometimes you can't get what you wanted, and then all of a sudden, if you keep writing, that thought might be a good thought, and then you can go back and fix the other part because you would never have got to that part if you didn't keep going. So exactly. You have, or the yeah. people who get to a bit where they're, you know, this is boring. What am I doing? Then skip ahead. Yeah, right. Write the part right. that you like. You know, write the part right. that interests you. And then right. sometimes right. you go back and you're like, well, the boring part didn't really need to be there at all. You know, exactly. why was I punishing myself with this? <laughs> I know, see, that's right. Because sometimes I am, I'll go like, oh, I'm bored. And I go like, well, if I'm bored, then they'll be bored. <laughs> so exactly. I don't, you know, if, if right, you're supposed to have some feeling. Like when you're writing and you go like, you just keep going, you, go, you know, this is kind of boring. You go like something has to happen, you know, and uh, you make it happen. But you won't make it happen if you just sit there and go, oh, this is boring. And then you stop. You just right. got to keep going. And it is hard to do that, you know. I mean, I have to admit, it's very hard, but you've got to do it. And that's good advice for people is just move on. I give that yeah. advice. Well, I, keep, I, gotta take I, I work with a lot of um, new, younger writers through mm-hmm. the horror, addicts, uh, horror 
Writers Association. And um, I, mean, I, I tell them, this is supposed to be fun. That's why we write, because it's fun. That's right. And if it's not that's fun, right. you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, you right. skip the parts that are not fun and, and get back to the fun parts. Yeah. Or maybe find a genre that you might think was more fun to write. Yeah. You know, some are some are fun. You know, some are better than others. You know, you know, if you pick something, you say, oh, this is more fun. Because, you know, like I write sweet romance sometimes. And so I'm writing that, and I do love that when I'm in it. But then sometimes I feel like, oh, I need, and, you know, then I'll do a spicier and go, I, you know, I say, like, this is more fun because the person cause just has a lot of freedom, you know, because different characters mm-hmm. have more freedom. So you can just do that, you know. And sometimes the characters you're writing, they don't have the same freedom. You can't, you know, swear or do things like that, which you might feel like at the time. <laughs> Your other characters might be able to. So, you know, you can do a f- I don't usually write two books at one time. I think I can all the time, but then I don't. Because then I go, like, what's wrong? I, I have my own talks to myself. I go, you know what? Just keep going. Don't, you know, because it's always easy for a writer to say, oh, I think I can write something better, you know, which is what happens a lot of times. You're writing it and you go, meh, but you really should finish it. You know, just keep yeah. going. Well, I, think that, yeah. I think one of the most important things a writer can do to improve his or her writing is to read. Pick yeah. good literature, read it, and study it, and see how you know, see how that author had you know, said something. Right, right, that's something. true. I do mm-hmm. it through audiobooks. I listen. When I listen to audiobooks, I um, tend to... My I, my thoughts come very quickly to me listening to someone else, and it has nothing to do with their story and mine, but just something when I'm listening, something clicks in my head, and it gives me, you know, an idea for my story. But it has nothing to do with that story. It's just something that happens to me. It's like a process for me. You know, I get to a certain point, and like my friends, I'll say like, oh, I don't know, I don't think I could do this. And then they go like, oh, you must be at that point in the book. Where you always say I'm not yeah. and I go, yeah, that's where I am, you know. And so I think that's you know that's one of the things about talking to writers is we understand that no matter what we write, horror, drama, you know, um, nonfiction, anything you know we're writing, you know, um, I think this happens to a lot of us, and so we all understand each other because of that because you know it's just it, it is a process that, you know, we may not be happy with at the time, but then when we finally finish it, you go, oh, this makes sense, you know. And especially when you get that aha moment where it goes like, oh, this works, you know. And you don't always, you you can't get to that aha moment if you don't write, keep writing. You're not getting there. Yeah. So if you're waiting for that moment to come, it doesn't come unless you keep writing. Would you agree on that when you get to that part of the story or whatever? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This works. All right, Elizabeth, you got Trish, you got something else? You wanna ask? Um not well actually yes. Um I, I wanted to okay. know when <laughs> Death's Garden when is Death's Garden revisited coming out? Because I know the book isn't out yet. No, it'll be out in October. October. Yeah. I'm I'm aiming for October fourth. I, I don't know if that's realistic or not, but uh it's in the designer's hands now, so once it gets past that point, I can send it to the printer and get the print samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm working with a printer. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it coming out. I mean, you know, disclaimer, oh, yeah. I have an essay in it about a girl and who's great in Baltimore. It's going to be so yeah. great. I just yeah. found the photos for your essay yesterday, so I'm like super oh, excited to see it laid out now. Last time I took photos, I had an Instamatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I have these pictures anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah, a lot, a lot has changed in these years. You know, of how to do things. You know, and picking the. You know. So how do you feel about picking out covers? You know, because this is a a problem for a lot of people. You know, they they pick out a cover, they don't like a cover, their publisher picks out a cover, then they want to change it. How do you feel about covers? What what you're in your experience when you're trying to find the right cover for your work? Well, this book was interesting because I I did four or five mock-ups and I took them to a couple of my different writers groups and I said, all right, you know, without any swaying them one way or another, I just put the right. pictures up. I'm like, all right, take a look at each of these and tell me which ones you like. And and it was almost always not the one I would have picked, but which I found yeah. really interesting. You know, yeah. they wanted mm-hmm. something that, you know, the colors popped and the, the yeah. text was bigger than I would have done. And, uh, and I just found it really instructive. Yeah. I'm going to do that forever now. <laughs> can't get well, that's the thing, right? See, that, that is the thing. That's, you know, I used to, at the you know, years ago think, well, maybe you sh- shouldn't ask people too many questions because then it gets confusing. This one likes this, this one likes that. But then sometimes yeah. before you do it, you know, it is nice to sometimes have somebody's opinion because sometimes we may not see something that they do. Or we see something that isn't actually in front of us. You know, when I look at some of these pictures, I bring all this, this, um, you know, the story that's behind the photo and the place where I took it and the adventure I was on at the time. And, you know, none of that's obvious to anybody who's just looking at a photograph. (laughs) Right. Right. That's, you know, and sometimes, you know, when I do look for pictures, I could look through, like, really... I, honestly, I just go on, like, I go on and just to, to give, you know, Fidelity Publishing does my books, but she ends up doing my covers. But I try to go through, I go through, like, I swear it's like a thousand because I just don't see what I, I have to sometimes see what I think I want, you know, before <laughs> I even tell her. And, you know, and sometimes she'll send something and I'll go, no, this might not be right, but it seems to be working good because you know, some of her covers have won global awards and, you know, networks, and so I guess it's okay, you know, because she's really talented. And so, but I I have to have something in my mind what I'm thinking of. And sometimes you just don't get it right away. You know, you can't look at one picture or one, yeah. It's hard for, for authors because, you know, we think of words. We, we don't think necessarily in images. Right. And so I've worked this a couple of times now with Lynn Hansen for doing book covers, and you know she's she's really good. The story, my story collection, has a, a skeleton standing in a kind of an autumn field with its arms upraised, and the arms turn into branches, and then there have it has leaves above it. And I said, you know, I don't know what to put on this book. I don't want to illustrate any of these covers. Uh, any of these stories that are in here, but I saved this image 
geez, when I was in high school, of um, uh, etching. That's uh, the tree is a skeleton, and Adam and Eve are standing on either side of it. And I said, you know, I've always liked this image, and I want to do some kind of Bray Bradbury feel. And Lynn came up with this glorious skeletal tree with the fields, and you know, it's it's absolutely perfect. It's autumn colors, you know, everything I would have wanted if I had had any idea how to color what I wanted. <laughs> right. So, right. You know, if we find somebody who can design for you, you know, yeah. they can they can reach into your head. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's true. And She's if you keep going, right, right, if you know them already. Right. And it yeah. might not be the first time. It might be after that. Right. I think that's probably very true because uh, then they get to know what you're feeling, you know, even though yeah. – you know, by your words, too, you know, because they've read what you've done. And so that does matter, you know, what you write. And just to pick something out of this, out of a hat doesn't work all the time, you know. And that's why a lot of yeah. people come back with, you know, covers that they don't like, you know. And so well, it and does take time. Well, I think we spent hours looking through See, all that's these right. pre-made <laughs> covers online because we, didn't, we don't really know what we want. Right, that's 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 what I do. I just look through, and then all of a sudden it hits me. I go, well, this will work, you know, and yeah. somehow she finds it, you know, for me, and then it works. But I, you know, I I already have in my mind what I'm thinking too. So right, and then when I see it, I go, oh, that's right, <laughs> this works. But I think you know that's what comes with time as we write. But it's never easy, you know. It's always the same because you always think. Because I know when I did this, I've never done the series, and I did a series. I'm in the middle. I'm on my third one now of the series. But the second one, she sent me a cover right away. And after I did the first one, and so by the time the book was ready, it didn't apply anymore. Okay, no, no. I don't think so. Yeah, so we changed. So I said, well, maybe this, maybe on the third one now. So then now I called it. It's all about a wedding because I'm like really focused, and I go, okay, so hopefully I'll use that, but I might not <laughs> because I used it because it didn't fit for the second, but it might fit for the third. So I think yeah. sometimes what we have in our mind might work in another way, you know, um, but. You know, we you know this is how we think, you know, and we never know, you know, and when you know you're with a publisher or you're independently published, you just have to take the time to find what you like and trust the people you work with, because you know it it, it does help when you're working with the same person a lot, yeah. because they do know you, you know, and they'll say no, you won't be happy with that. You know, or you wouldn't be happy with this, you know, and I think that's what happens, you know. But these are all tricks of the trade that come with time, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I've, and I've so seen I think, Hansen's yes. work. I mean, I've seen Lynn Hansen's work. I, I mean, I don't know her personally, but um, mm-hmm. her stuff is very good. When uh, I mean, when I was self-publishing, uh, you know, my fairy tales, I went to Donna Dominique, and she's another one that uh, she's an award winner. And uh, the cover matters. It matters a lot because that's the first yeah. thing people see, and then they see the title. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, uh, the title does too. Because in my career of, you know, a lot of my books are from screenplays that I wrote, and some were optioned. But uh, so I use the same titles, but it didn't really work well. It doesn't work well when I do it in a book. And I think for me, that's you know. I made a mistake on one of my titles, but it's still out. It's out there, and the, the book is. I really love the book, but I think the title's bad uh, because they just don't get it. 
you know, what it is. And in a screenplay, they would have. So I still in my head, I've said it many times, and I still haven't changed the title of it, but I may, because I think it's it's a book that deserves to be out there in a different way than it is, because it just doesn't match the story in a lot. It, it did, but I think it's too difficult. So I think the title, like when I'm doing now, I try to do a title, because I think with all the things that people watch on tv now like when you see a lot of different uh of the netflix a lot of this when you find a movie let's just say i watched one now it was two summers okay it's an easy book i mean it wasn't from a book actually it's an easy story with a good title and i actually remember the title because i watched lots of movies but it just was easy and it fit the story like sometimes if it doesn't really fit the story, you forget the title of what you've just seen. You'll go like, well, what was mm-hmm. that title? You know, and you, you know, like Batman, you know Batman, you know, or Star Wars or something. But those are the ones you remember. But then all the little ones that maybe the title doesn't even match what you just saw or read, you might not remember it as much. I mean, that's just my hmm. experience. You know, do you remember every, you know, do you Think about all the books you've read. You do always remember the exact name of it, but if it's a name that really fits, I, you'll mm. never forget that name. I, that's what I think. Do you think about anything about that when you're reading something that title doesn't fit? When I was doing my story collection, I I wanted to call it after one of the stories, but I didn't want it to be directly the, you know, the same title. And so one of the stories is based on the Lead Belly song um, in the Pines. And that's what the story is called, but I didn't want to call the book that. So I was thinking there's a, you know, in the Pines, in the Pines, where the sun never shines. So I was going to call it where the sun never shines. And I called, I mentioned that to my HWA group and they burst out laughing. Because you know, I hadn't thought about the other connotations. Like, oh, oh right. glad you guys right. saved that's me true. from the embarrassment. <laughs> right, Dad, that's true. So yep. Okay. It's called Unsafe Words, which fit it. Yeah. Like, book titles are really yep. hard. And uh, yeah, you just spent so. 80,000 right. words telling the story, right? How do you right. condense exactly. that down? Exactly. Right. That's true. Right. And you go through it and you're thinking, and that's really what happens to, you know, and it, it fits the wrong title. It just doesn't fit right, you know, and well, I, I think it's not a funny book. I didn't want people laughing when they picked well, it up. Well, right. Exactly. So. That's well, that's the whole thing. You, you like cemeteries that you, you know what that's about. Yeah. This is what it is. And so I think that it's not a shock to people if that's what they're reading. But sometimes, because some people do just look at the cover, and then they're very disappointed if they, and, you know, not everybody reads, like, all the reviews. They just go, oh, I like this cover. I like the person Mm -hmm. on the cover, the guy, the thing, whatever it is, you know. And then they look at they start reading it, and they go, it's not what they thought it was. You know, because yeah. like we as authors look through things, you know, we're on Amazon, we're looking at the description, the title, <laughs> everything, ISBN number, whatever, you know, pages. But people, when they're looking through it, they're scrolling on Amazon, they don't care even who the publisher is. They just want, they're no. looking for what they feel like, you know, will hit their eye. So I think that is, because as I said before, we're in competition out there. You know, we are, there's so much oh, yeah. out there. Now more than ever, yeah, it's hard to keep people's attention. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to cover yeah. it. Like your your best bet. Yeah. And I, I've heard people on the show talk about the fact that once they change their cover and their title, the book sold really well. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that happening. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have said that. So, you know, listen, I mean, we all have different technique, but at the end of the day, a lot of the things we always talk about on all the shows end up in the same way. We're all in this boat, you know, and we have the same problems. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how successful or how new an author is, we still have these problems. You know, we're not uh, we're not sheltered from no problems <laughs> while we're writing, but we're still here, right? That's a good thing. Yeah, that's how I look at it. After all these years, mm-hmm. all of us are still here. You know, and we're writing, and that's really what it's about—just to keep in the game. You know, and like or like what you said, Lauren, is the same as I feel, too. And I know, Trish, you probably, too, you just, you're in it. We are not you going anywhere. You can't stop now. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I, you know, I mean, for those that are listen to the show, I think a lot of people have these questions, you know. Uh, now, as far as marketing, how do you feel about marketing? Do you enjoy it? Do you have other people do it for you? Do you, How do you work that, you know, Lauren? I've been... I've been doing it myself, um, and I, it's interesting. Um, one of my cemetery books came out in 2017, so it's been out a number of years. But it got discovered by Instagrammers last year. Yeah, and I sold a huge number of books, <laughs> yeah, you know, I and, and yeah. it's, it's the sort of thing, it's a hardcover with all kinds of photographs in it and all of that. And I know when I take it to a book sale, you know, if I put that in somebody's hands, they're going to buy the book. Because right. once they see it, they're absolutely going to buy it. Right. And so the, the the Instagrammers moved a lot of copies just by yep. showing people the book. Yeah. So I haven't right. figured out how to do that going forward. But well, I well, think that's uh, going to be well, key with, with Gus Garden is if I get that to the Instagrammers and I can get it, get them to show the photos in their you know who else? You know, oh, the TikTok, TikTok is TikTok. The, the TikTok people. There's a lot of book yeah. people on TikTok, mm-hmm. and you know I'm starting out slowly, and I'm doing it. I'm not really, you know, I'm putting a book, and I find music to it, and then you put the tag words in and a little description. It takes time, but the people pay attention, so I'm sure you yeah. do really good on it. You know, and the truth is, you, that is that the Instagram. It these are very uh this is much easier sell on instagram or tiktok than it is facebook they don't even share anymore they don't look you know and i'm on facebook a lot but it's just doesn't seem to be you know a way because it just for whatever the reason is the algorithms don't show people that you might have been knowing for years you'll see maybe the same 25 or 30 and that makes it very difficult for authors out there because then you keep wondering you go like what am i doing i'm doing this nobody's seeing it so uh, you know or paying any attention to it and then they get very they do get very upset so i think mm-hmm. with tiktok and you know instagram those are fast they go fast and there's something called book talk uh i'm mm-hmm. going to try that it's, um, yeah book talk uh, you know, I signed up, and it's not going to be till August. They have to accept it if they're, you know, and you do have to pay, uh, I think it's $40, but then they 
if somebody at TikTok puts your book out and they are a TikTok book person, you could you could do very well if you mm-hmm. start, you know, picking up a whole new population of people. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And so I think that these are the things that we didn't think maybe we wanted to do, but I think those are the things that we exactly have to do. You know, and it's it, it sometimes at night I do that, and sometimes I'm just sitting there and you know, and I'm doing it and I'm thinking, look what I'm sitting here doing. <laughs> sitting here on TikTok at night, it's one in the morning, like, why am I sitting here? But then you start getting used to it, and then you sit, you know, you're looking for, you know, uh, a song to go with it, and so it's quite interesting way to market, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's mm-hmm. why people are on it. It's a, It goes fast, you know. And it's not long. They just click through it. And so I think, you know, that's why I could see why Instagram would be, because they don't, like, if they're looking at your book, they don't care. They're not looking at the date of the book. They just want to see right. what's in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good way for all of us to think of it, is the newer techniques sometimes really are working in a good way for people. As much as yeah. everybody knows I don't love marketing, you know, and I have helped now, but I'm also marketing myself, too. I mean, I just can't stop. I mean, that's just part of it, you know, because then I, I'll see something and then I want to spread it to everybody else. So I should mention one thing. on my, I have a new page called Beach Reads, and uh, it's going to be a page where people can come on and put their books on. I just don't want everything to always be about me. I want the beach reads because I want people to read the people that have been on my shows all these years because everybody doesn't know everybody else. But if this page, because beach reads is a kind of a read where anybody could read it any time, and it's just something, it's it's became a pretty good catchphrase now, beach reads, because I think that's even a hashtag now. So I think... That you know, if people are listening now, if I'm gonna, if people are on my shows, I think I'm just gonna share things that way because I do think a lot of people don't know each other. Trish, wouldn't you say that? I mean, like all these people, the different genres, don't know each other. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, there are some little should. clicks within each, like you know, there, there's the romance click and there's the horror click, and you know, there's mm-hmm. just different groups of people, but. Well, I'm in every um, click. Yeah, I'm in every click. I'm in every click because I don't. I don't have a. You know, I, all my guests are from everywhere. You know, in every type of writing. You know, that's why I want. Every, that's why, like some people, you know, I have historical romance, and I don't write that. But I there's a lot of good authors that are on my shows. You know, mm-hmm. so I want other people to see it. So I think that's where I'm going to put everything. You know, and anybody can go on that and put themselves you know, on there, because I think that might be nice if people that were on the shows got to know each other's books, you know, so this would help people, I think. This is just my opinion. But, all right, so any other questions, okay, or things that you have, Trish, or is there anything you wanted to Um, mention? The only thing I want to say is uh, Death's Garden Revisited is coming out in October, so look for it. And And Lauren, I guess, uh, pardon I was just going to oh, say, did Lauren? I wanted to say, Lauren's. Uh, her, I put her, and I put also your page and Lauren out there too. It's on the show page, so they can find you. You know, if they look on here, because the show is on demand afterwards, and it's also on iTunes, and it's out 
for our, it's out. I have all, you know, when you go into iTunes, all the show there's like 300 shows there or more. And so you can, the, the shows stay. So once you're on a show, it doesn't just disappear. You can use it because a lot of people like to hear authors talk on their websites. You know, it makes a big difference when an author hears your voice. Mm-hmm. They like it. Yeah, I mean, a person, a reader hears your voice. Because I think readers are really interested in who we are, how we talk. You know, I'm mm-hmm. getting into that now. I'm trying my best to do comments and things because I do love all the authors. Yeah, I do love this. But it's hard for me. I haven't been one to comment a lot on all the things I've seen. But from what I understand, this is probably the best way to meet new people is to comment. Mm-hmm. You know, even on TikTok, they go, could you make a comment, and then we'll follow you. So that's that's pretty nice. That's, you know, that's how you meet people, I guess, these days, which is okay. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because I think people found other ways due to COVID. They weren't going out as much. So I think now they found other, you know, outlets where they can promote themselves mm-hmm. and meet other people. You know, so I think that's a good thing. So, all right, Lauren, is there anything else you'd like to say? It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm glad we met. Yeah, glad you were here. It was an interesting talk. Yes, yes. Cemetery, see, we're not going to forget that book because we're going to know that title. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and honestly, in my, you know, other shows, I do mention things because a lot of times I take notes or just I remember things that people have said on my shows because it will help other people to learn, you know, new mm-hmm. things. Because who knows every? I don't know everything, you know. I don't, I don't know as much as I would like to know. There's so much to know. And you know what? As the days go on, there's new things. So I try to, you know, check everything out. Some I'm not good at, some I do, some I don't. But I try my best, you know. I do join things, and then I talk about it afterwards if I think it's good. You know, I, probably too many things, but that's me. All right, so, Lauren, um, you want to just, you can tell everybody your website or whatever else you'd like to say where you'll be, and that you have some things coming up, too, that you're going to do? Yeah, I have a, a short story collection that I did for Wiley Writers that will be out on the 15th of this month called Tales of Nightmares, and it has stories by uh, Lisa Morton, Yvonne Navarro, Weston Oaks and a bunch of other writers. So I'm super excited about that. And that's it's up for pre orders on Amazon now and the paperback is coming. Uh, and then Death Garden will be out in October and it'll be in paperback, ebook and hardcover. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, if you want any you know, I extend you an invitation if you know, because... Uh, Trish knows we do this, you know, people that are that you have in your book, if they want to come on the show together, I do a lot of those shows. You oh, know, um, fun. Yeah, yeah, we do that because I think it's fun. We just did one for, you know, the Anne Rice collection. And yeah, um, so, yeah, it's fun. Well, you know, I, I really think that I should try to write horror one of these days. I have so many horror writers well, it's fun. It's fun I actually horror. Read, I actually did write a horror screenplay, so I could think that way. You know, I do think that 
wink, but I just haven't done that. So I, I think I should though finish up my romantic comedy before I do that. <laughs> I think it doesn't exactly work well together. But Lauren, just contact me if you want, and you know, and I'll be happy to have as many want to come on the show. Um, I have been known to have eight or nine. <laughs> With wow. Gina, yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and Piper Stone, you know, a lot of them. I yes, we've had a lot of different <laughs> guests on at one time. Uh, it is fun, you know, because I think people that have been in story collections together, they don't know each other really. So, but then they get mm-hmm. to know each other when they're on a show, because some of them have never met. So yeah, yeah. All right. So anything else? And I have two more shows coming up, and then I am off in August to finish my book. But which is not true. I probably won't finish it till November. But I, I say I'll finish it in August. That's that's a good. It sounds good, doesn't it? But I don't think I will. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's like you said, Lauren. You didn't know if you're going. The date will be right. Who knows? We never know, right? It depends what happens in exactly. life. I guess. I know it's called life. All right. Thank you all for listening, and um, everybody stay well. Goodbye. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome.